Hello, my name's Leo, and you ate the last raspberry danish. Prepare to die. Welcome to another installment of the Nimrod Generation Podcast, where the space is the final frontier, then the beer run at the liquor store is the first stop there. We're going for a beer run at a liquor store. That's just drinking beer. I'm drinking liquor. It is what it is. You know, I had to get romantic, had to get me a a nice little uh, bottle for me and my boo. Vincent, how you doing tonight? Same as always. (laughs) All right. As we mentioned, it is uh, Valentine's Day special. Vincent, since you're like such the romantic type, any special plans for you and your lady on Valentine's Day? Just dinner, drive-thru, movie, something? Uh, Yeah, probably. Oh, so romantic. Yeah. Yeah, Well, well, I plan to go. What we're going to do is I'm going to go to... uh, like out back steakhouse or or uh, um, Olive Garden, and we're gonna wait two hours for a table, and then we're just gonna leave and go get Jack in the Crack or something. That sounds like the perfect evening. <laughs> oh, Jack in the Box, if you you know don't know. Hey, as long as y'all together, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna try to uh to you know do my my special breakfast of uh burnt eggs and burnt toast i have faith you can do that as we are you know but yeah we are talking today the uh i don't want to say the timeless classic I mean, pretty much is even though it came out on a damn good year you know 87 well we won't hold that against it <sighs> i'm not gonna lie i'm not trying to be funny I honestly thought Andre the Giant was dead by this point. Well, it was 93. That's when he passed away? 93? Yeah. In the 90s? Oh, okay. See, I, I, because of all the, like, the WrestleMania things I ever saw, like, I know he, he disappeared at some point, but I didn't think it was, I thought it was, like, in the early 80s. No, it was late 80s, but by this time, he wasn't able to really do a whole lot. It just, you know, survived. So, uh, how do you like your steak, by the way? What? How do you like your steak? How do I like my steak? Yeah. Medium well. Medium well? Like, you know, the crib is kind of pink, not too pink. Yeah, medium well. All right, I'll say the damn title of the movie. We are talking The Princess Bride. You know, I thought we would be more of a sci-fi comic book. But this movie's based on a book, right? Yep. So technically, we're still on the right path. Is the book called Princess Bride as well? Now, the book is, uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean, it, it's in there. Yeah, it's. I know it's written by William Goldman, which is also the screenwriter to this film. Yeah, well, it is. It's, you know, it's, it's The Princess Bride. That's the name of the book. But it's William Goldman doing an abridged version of S. Morgan Stern's classic tale of true love and high adventure. But he only put in the good parts. Oh, so it's the Phantom Menace, it's the, the Phantom Menace on the Phantom Menace. Yeah, okay. basically. I mean, that's how he, he wrote the book as him retelling somebody else's book so that he could put in all the things like that are in the movie in the book. Mm. Okay, so yeah, The Princess Bride. Um, I want to say straight off the bat that I will never forget... Inigo Montoya's name. It's gonna flat out say it right now because we do hear this man's name a fucking lot. And I don't know about you, but so was he the knockoff of like was he was I know like Puss in Boots is a knockoff of Zorro. So was this character a knockoff of you know of a movie that hadn't been made yet? No, but I mean, like, you know, like, the originals, or you had the 1960s, like, the Disney ones. I used to watch them on the Disney Channel. I used to go to my uncle's house. And, yeah, yeah. he'd stop the entire world. And everybody's like, shut up, shut up. Zorro's on. 
So we used to watch like the Zoro adventures, the black and white ones. Yeah, see, well, I don't necessarily feel that he was a ripoff of a Zoro or a whatever, because mm-hmm. just because he's a Spaniard and he's a fencer mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean he's a Mexican guy or he's trying to rip off a Mexican character. Oh, wasn't Zoro Spaniard as well? No, Zoro's in Mexico. Oh, she valiendo madre. But yeah, uh, yeah, the Princess Bride. So I, I'm, I swear, like I'm stumped even the fact that I, it took me how long, how many years to watch this film? I'm 34 years old. Uh, it took me pretty much my entire lifetime to avoid this film. And uh, what, what are you gonna show me? You're gonna slap oh, me upside the head. This is my no. This is my notes on the movie. <laughs> literally. Yeah, literally. See. <laughs> oh man, I wish I could. Um, I'm hopefully I can show you guys a screenshot of that. Oh, <laughs> uh, so no, uh, it's I want to say this movie was weird in a sense for me because I do like the Robin Hood type movies, I do enjoy the like you know. Like the pirate movies, you know, like this, this movie seems like a mix of all that, like a, a, a little a mini pirate story, a mini like a side hustle movie, to be honest. Um, of course, it's a romantic story. And just as Vincent wished, I went ahead and watched this film. I I've always been the type to give movies a chance. But like I said, I've been avoiding this movie for the longest. So Vincent was like, uh, no, we're doing this, bitch. End of story. So, are you happy? I guess. You sound so excited. I'm, I, mean, I am literally trying to get a smile out of you on Valentine's, buddy. Come on. You my oh, boo. You my oh. boo. Let's hold up there a second. Now, this... I mean, this is a movie that I first read the screenplay of mm-hmm. in uh, in middle school when it came out because they used to have these I don't know what they, I don't remember who published them I don't remember where they came from but they were little paper magazines like six or no, six to twelve pages or something like that you know not not thick magazine but it was for distribution in schools and they would mm-hmm basically put the screenplay of a movie in there and this one or you know this one had the princess pride in it and so i read it and i was like oh this is pretty damn cool and then made me want to watch the movie that much more well that's a that's a way to get someone to watch so it's like pretty much you don't even like watch a trailer or anything so like when you get these screenplays where they're like screenplays that came out before the movie or after the movie or during the movie like it was i think it was after the movie came out because mm-hmm. it had stills from the movie in it okay and it basically told you the whole movie using character lines kind of like oh i mean it's a screenplay so it's kind of like if it's yeah. a play yeah like a play format so, with stage direction and all that stuff, but I don't know. Yeah, but uh, this is a story of, I guess, Fred Savage yeah. being a little bitch and not wanting to hear a story, though he hears a story from his grandpa. Yeah, the other day I was, you know, when you mentioned you had watched the film and you were like, well, well, well I'm like, okay, you're Fred Savage. It silly came to my head. You are the Fred Savage. Do I still look like I enjoyed the damn film? Because Fred Savage was all about, oh, let me watch the key. I don't care. The kissy part's fun too. Yeah, that's why he told his dad, grandfather to come back and read the movie, read the book again. Yeah. Dude, did you notice that the great names this movie had, like the, like the you know, not the cast, oh. but like the characters' People in names? The cast, yeah. Like you some had, of the actors too, yeah, but the character names, yeah. You had the Princess Bride. You had the grandson. You had grandfather. Like, they didn't give him no names. Like, the Wesley character had, like, fucking three different titles. Yeah, well, I mean, her name was Buttercup. They just called her the Princess Bride. And I forgot all about her damn name. We can use Buttercup. Yeah, it is. And the, the dude who wrote the book, 
he asked his daughters what kind of book he should write and one of them said write a princess book and one of them said write a book about a bride so he combined it to the title of the book and what the hell do we get pirates because it's the princess bride and he's going on a voyage to go make um, money so that they can be wed and what's out there on the water pirates yeah i mean it's basic dude yeah but uh we have once we begin this story we have well honestly i ain't even gonna lie to you like i wish i would have known when this grandson was uh sick because it was during school i'd be like yeah grandpa come back tomorrow i'm still gonna be sick i don't have to go to school tomorrow but it, what what did he say at the end well we're skipping way ahead ahead all I know is this movie has how do you say his name? Corey Carrie Ellis. Carrie, yeah. I was gonna say Corey. Oh well, there's an A there, so you can't say Corey. I am a bad, a bad fool. Yeah, Carrie Ellis, that's how you pronounce it? Ellis. Ellis. Yeah. I personally remember when I, as soon as I saw him, I literally was like, I'm not gonna take this movie serious. I legit saw him and I was like, no, I'm not gonna take this movie serious because like I, I mentioned it to you before. Every time I see this guy, all I can think about is Robin Hood Men in Tights. And it kind of goes back to like kind of going into that Robin Hood Men in Tights. It's like Dave Chappelle. Yeah, he's a standard comedian. He's, you know, he, he's known for that. Some controversial stuff that lately has been going on. But every time I see him, I'm like, it's at you. <laughs> you know, it's like I don't see him as just Dave Chappelle. I, I see I chew right off the bat. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I, I saw him in that, but I've seen him in plenty of other stuff. And I get the same kind of thing when people talk about how Bill Nye is such a great scientist and all this other shit. But the first time I ever saw him, he was a speedwalker. Speedwalker? What was that? Yeah, he did a comedy skit about a speedwalker before it was in the Olympics or whatever. And he was just going around. He was a superhero called the speedwalker. Go look it up. That's the first thing I ever saw him in. And he, he was a comedic actor. Okay. Trying to break it out in the comedy scene and didn't make it. So he got his science degree in aerospace engineering. And now he knows everything. There you go. The more you know, the better. But yeah, as you mentioned, uh, Boy Wesley and uh, Buttercup were in love. Uh, for a moment there, you thought uh, Wesley was going to be stuck in the friend zone for I don't know how long. His old boy catered for old girl for like the longest. With his as you wish. Yeah, as you wish. I'm going to start doing that at work now. Should do it. Oh, Not to me. Oh, as you wish. <laughs> I'm waiting for it. Just wait for it. Sipping on his beer. <laughs> Speaking of sipping on beer, what are we sipping on tonight, Vincent? Nothing anymore. I just finished it. Mm. What were you sipping on? <clears throat> that was a cheer. Still got cheer. a couple of those left. Sheep. About a 24 pack. Ah, bring me one on Tuesday. I can't find them on my side of town. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> All I'm asking for is Uno. I think about it. All right. So I am sipping on the uh, Texas Straight Bourbon Whiskey. I don't know who the hell makes it. Robertson, I guess. Firestone Robertson. Yeah. Uh, the first time I had this was at the local bar I go to, Bogies. Still as smooth as the first night I had. It's my first drink off of it tonight, and it's really, really good. I actually had some soju earlier. Uh, we we had some uh, pot, like a that pot that's divided in two. Like you know, like they can keep like they have seafood in one and like beef stew in the other, like spicy beef stew. So my wife made that, and my mother-in-law's like, "Here, have some soju." I was all like, "Sweet!" Like I knew I loved you for a reason. But yes, we'll go back to the movie. Looking at me like you asshole. So, so yeah, Corey goes on to his great misadventure, which we don't really find out what happens, happens to like later on. But we well, have as far as they know, Wesley gets killed by the his ship gets captured by the Dread Pirate Roberts and the Dread Pirate Roberts never takes prisoners. So, yeah, I like, guess like five years pass, right? Five years pass. Five years pass. Uh, Buttercup is devastated but she gets chosen to be a princess by 
What the hell is that dude's name? Prince Humperdinck. Hum, how, what kind of name is Humperdinck? Who came up with these names? I mean, Humperdinck is a, usually a surname, but... Really? Yeah. I mean, last name. But yeah. yeah. That's what surname means. Yeah, you know what? Simple. All I got to do is blur out that damn thing. I'll try to edit this. So it'd be video. Yeah. But yeah, so literally, like, you would think that's the story of, of this, but I do like the concept how it kind of kind of goes in an entire just some weird ass direction because the princess gets kidnapped by what I want to call the three stooges of the uh, of this movie which I mean they're, but they're kind of not three curly, but not really yeah you you have physique which is Andre the Giant you have Wallace Shawn Shawn right Fezzik Fezzik yeah Fezzik 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 and then you have Bazzini by Wallace Shawn, which actually that was my favorite character in the movie. Yeah. So, and then you also have, of course, Inigo Montoya. Never forget that man's name. <laughs> Cannot forget that man's name. Played by Mandy Patinkin. Yeah, I forget that name. I cannot remember. <laughs> like, if I see him in another movie, or because he's, I looked up some of the other movies and I'm like, ah, he's done some voice acting as well from what I saw. But it's like now, like every time I, I, I'll see him in the movie or I'll hear his voice, I'm just going to think, Inigo Montoya. There he goes. Like, yeah. he's, he's, looking for the, he's looking for the guy that killed his father. He must prepare to die. Yeah. So yep. it's, it's funny, like how you have the whole Vicini. Vicini? How do you say his name? Vicini? Vicini, yeah. His, his character is like the one in charge, even though he's like, they kind of reminded me of Ed, Ed, and Eddie. To be honest, you had like the, the the hustler, and then you also had like, even though Montoya was more of like the fighter of of the three, like Ed, Ed, and Eddie had the smart one. Yeah, and then you of course you have the brute strength, which would be Andre the Giant. Yeah, so. I've always watched like stills of this movie. I've seen um, this movie brought up. I I remember being at a Target many many years back, and I think I was like, I guess they were doing an anniversary issue on some magazine. I'll be honest, I don't remember what magazine it was. And I remember flipping through it and seeing like the stills. I'm like, I know that guy. That's Under the Giant. And I'm like, there goes Robin Hood. But I don't. I never remembered what movie it was. I never really paid attention. But it, to me, it just looked like something really romantic, and I was just like, not my cup of tea. Even though my ass does watch a lot of like K dramas and a lot of animes that are like romantic uh, movies, a lot of uh, rom coms. Hey, yeah. Rain a Girlfriend is not that bad. All right, just saying. Yeah. Right. Hey, you watched the K drama with me at work? I watched one. You and that was more of a comedy because it was about a comic strip. True that. I actually own those on on. I actually got the graphic novels for all those. Thanks. Gotta really learn me some Korean. But speaking of which, because I'm running low on battery, say something. I will say that after the five years, Hopperdink chose Buttercup to be his bride because that's the right of the royal family in that country. Like you said, fine, so the three story. guys so the three guys go to kidnap her so that they can kill her and blame it on Gelder Smith or whatever the their mortal enemy country Gelder and uh, they leave a patch and they take her off and they're going to go kill her in the Gelder countryside and just start a war so as they're going off they uh no nobody knows that they did this and they're just going and then all of a sudden they get followed by a boat as they're trying to flee the country yeah that's to me that scene alone was kind of like literally the part where i was like kind of started getting interested in the film 
like when you have the scene on the boat where like they're just talking they're like why do you keep looking back he's all like i don't know i like montoya's like i don't know i just it feels like someone would be following us he's looking back and there's like they're, they're just talking and they're having like what was it the conversation about was this before or after you find out that that Fesic could like rhyme? He was like the rhyme master. I guess he was like the first rapper. Yeah, it was after because it, it was after Vizzini yelled at him for thinking. Oh, yeah. Because it's like uh, Vizzini was like, wait, why did you do that? He's like, oh, because there's a boat right. Like he's so casually he's just like, oh, because there's a boat right behind us. He's like, yeah. what? <laughs> and then he, uh, the Princess Bride tries to make a run for it. Yeah, Buttercup jumps overboard. Yeah, and then, like, as she's trying to make the run for it, she, like, there's, like, these eels, I guess, that are, like, the that attack. Eels. Yeah, the shrieking eels. But what made me laugh the most is, like, right when, like, the story's gonna get good, like, they just, like, go back to, like, the grandpa reading the story, and the kid's like, hey, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> Right and, when the eel's about to kill her, it jumps in with Fred Savage, like, hey, what? What's going on? She's not going to die. Somebody's going to save her. What the hell's going on? Yeah, exactly. And Peter Falk is like, hey, let me read the book. So that's literally the first moment in this film I started. I was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, like, you know, it's it's like sometimes it's not just visuals or anything like that. Like it could be a well written conversation that could it, like ugh, hook me to a story. And and it, this movie did have that. It, it, it was the of first that. time he broke into the book though. Yeah. Because when Wesley and Buttercup are going for a kiss, Fred Savage is like, ah, oh, this is ridiculous. Why they got a kiss? And Peter Fox is like, you know, in a few years you might not hate this so much. Let's just go with it. <laughs> Yeah, like, I won't lie, I watched this movie twice. <laughs> I watched it with my wife the second time. The first time I actually just watched it alone. But, no, it, it was actually this scene, that the one that made me, like, because I watched it pretty late the first time I watched it. So, like, this was the scene that actually made me, like, huh. Like, I was kind of, like, I already had the sleepy eyes and everything. I was like, wait a minute, this is actually not that bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, I can understand, like, a scene where you have, like, the the kid jumping in to say something. But what threw me off guard is, like, he did it again. And it yeah. came at such a great moment. Like, it's not a moment that you expect it to happen. Because I've, I've seen other movies where they do this, like, cliche of, like, the kids are, ah, I don't want to hear this part. Or, yeah, but, like, you don't hear it, like, when the action sequence is about to get at its peak. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, it's kind of like, kind of like never in a story. You you expect a lot of the breaks. Yeah. When it comes back to Bastion, as opposed mm-hmm. to in the book. So yeah, like I think I guess that's where they did the whole, like they save her, grab her out the water, and is yeah, that what Andre it? just reaches down and knocks the damn eel on the head, picks her up in one. Smooth motion. Hey, man, that just reminded me of my Misfits story, all right? <laughs> I used to be like a 120-pound toothpick, and I went over the barricade. Like, Jerry only was just chilling there talking, like, to everybody signing autographs. It was, like, during the 30-year anniversary, like, the Misfits were in Houston. First of all, I made it into the show after it was sold out. It was a miracle they let us in. And jerry only signing and everything and like i go to sit and i'm thinking there's like the stage there i mean you know how hard it was to get up there first of all second like so i I went to go sit there's no fucking platform it's literally just an entire drop and i just like just fall right through the middle of the like the stage and the in the barricade and i'm like well fuck me sideways i look up jerry only's looking directly at me one fucking hand just scoops me up and just Puts me right next to him, and I'm just like, I'm a bitch. <laughs> it's like, it's literally like, I'm like, goddamn, like this is like, and in front of everybody, by the way. Yeah. This is like the saddest moment, but I got a picture out of it. So <laughs> that's the same kind of thing happened to me. The one year that Lollapalooza came down here, 
Oh, really? They had yeah, they had the huge ass cable where they were running line from the audio control booth up to the stage, uh-huh. and they didn't bury it. They didn't anything. They just covered it with a hump of plastic. Yeah, she knows that the Warped Tour a lot. Yeah, I tripped over that motherfucker, and no, I, so I I tripped over that thing, and. I, I go to get up, and it was in the middle of a... I don't remember who said it was, but I tripped over it. And I go to try to start getting up, and I threw my hand up in the air. And this dude, like 6'3", and nothing but muscles, just like, whoo, whipped me up. And I was I weighed like 122. And I was just like, thanks, dude. And I, I just walked like 30 feet down to the other side of the pit i'm just like no i'm not hanging out over there oh man those were fun times being weighing like that much like i remember going like to mudvane shows and like slipknot shows and like lamb of god shows and they say you know being that tiny and then going in there with all the college bros that was like the craziest shit ever yeah yeah that's ridiculous but anyway uh so like punk shows a little better. Yeah, he Several swoops things. her up. The mysterious boat in the back gets closer and closer, and then they get to the cliffs of insanity. And they start climbing up the cliffs. There's a special harness where Andre the Giant can pick up Wallace Shawn, Eddie Patinkin, and Princess Buttercup, uh, played by Robin Wright, all at the same time. And he's just pulling them up the rope like no big deal yeah oh well, uh, you caught well it looked a little different afterwards though by the way it really oh yeah, did. yeah it, it really it's that's one thing about blu-ray upscales you know it, it brings out a lot of good things but it also brings out and clarifies a lot of stuff you didn't really want to see no. No, that's not the part I'm talking about. Like, when he's climbing up, I'm like, oh, dude's making some good motion going up and shit. But then you see the, uh, they were, they're saying, oh, we're going to go up the cliff because whoever's chasing us won't be able to follow us. Yeah. And then you have this. And physics, the only one with the strength to pull himself up the rope. Yeah. When the, uh, the guy dressed in all black in the black mask comes up. Well, fucking look, he looked better than Spider-Man climbing that thing. Yeah. Well, I mean that that gives more to his his abilities and stuff like that. But yeah, we did leave out that Vizini keeps repeating one word over and over throughout this whole thing. When the ship shows up, when the ship starts getting closer, when they finally reach the cliffs of insanity and the ship's almost there, and then the man in black that comes out of the ship starts coming up the rope. He just keeps repeating inconceivable over and over again. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Even I'm not even going to lie to you. I was like, when they were like, are you even using that word correctly? I was like, yeah. hey, I shit you. And I was like, wait, what does that word even mean? It's inconceivable. It's unthinkable. It's unfathomable. It's you know something that cannot be. Yeah, that, yeah. they made me think about it. <laughs> That's the thing. They yeah, made they me saying, think about this it. This is inconceivable. And that's an ego of my toy. It's like, I do not think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's the time. I was like, wait, what do I think it means? Like, that's that was my yeah. thought. My legit, like, wait, what do I think it means? I, I just saw something that Carrie always said that, uh, you know, 30 years after the movie, people still come up and say lines to him from the film. Mm-hmm. He said that Wallace Shawn had it the worst out of all of them because he would be out on the street and like drop his keys or something would mess up and somebody would yell at him, inconceivable. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's not, I mean, it's great that people remember you by something, but there's some things, is there something you would not want to be remembered by? Like, you don't have to say something personal, like, if you like, let's say you were a star, is there something you would not want to be remembered by? I don't know. It, it's, I mean, people are going to remember you by whatever. If you do something and it's out there, you're going to have to accept it. Yeah. And you're going to have to take it and just like people bring it up. But 
I don't know. Nick Zeal is kind of one, though. That's true. Yeah, it's. I want to say so far into like what we've talked about to the point we've talked into the movie is I think these scenes were like my favorite scenes. And the reason why is the dialogue was because I always pictured this film because I remember I've seen the stills. I remember like when I read like the synopsis of the film, it, it doesn't say that the movie has comedy, even though like whenever you like look up the taglines of like the movie is a romantic um you know like the part is that only a few of them say comedy and i'd always wonder like i don't see this movie being funny but i should have thought about this a lot better because i remember watching the trailers to pirates of the caribbean and those trailers never showed any comedy in it, but there's a lot of comedy in that film or yeah. those films. So I will go ahead and admit it to this point. I misjudge this film. Yes, I will admit it. Vincent's looking at me like, yes, bitch. Yes. Yes, you did. And that's one thing I always say. It's like, even if you haven't heard of its romance reputation or anything like that, this movie is not straight up one genre over another. Like if you look at the, you know, how the American Film Institute does their hundred best, whatever mm-hmm. this, this movie has been nominated and listed on their 100 laughs. Well, it got nominated for hundred laughs it's listed as number 88 on their 100 passions it's got nominated for 100 movie quotes it got nominated for top 10 in the fantasy film genre so it's like a lot of different things well i just what was the last one you said it was nominated for the fan at what rank top 10 okay. fantasy i film. can see that yeah. i can see that um this movie also has a certain like what i told you when I saw you at work, I did mention to you this movie had a charm. And it's a charm that I don't get from a lot of movies. Like, you're right. I watched it the first time, and I was like, mm, I like the charm of it. And you're like, watch it again. It'll grow on you. It grew on me. Still not saying it's the best movie ever, but I can see... I can see why it's so beloved. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's not one that you're like, this will beat out Citizen Kane and fucking Gone with the Wind or whatever, you know. It's like, you know, but it's a really, really good film. And it can compete with those films in terms of acting and story and all that stuff. It's compelling and it'll it'll get you. And, the, you know, the more you watch it, the more you, you yeah, know about the- it. I think this is one of those films where I feel like people should at least watch once in their lifetime. Because it has a little for everybody. That's that's how I feel about this film. It, yeah. I think th- it's it's a movie that should not be underestimated. But going back to it, I, I do... <laughs> it, it's the first moment, like... This is like where I I felt the dialogue was at its best. It's when Montoya and and Wesley, at the moment you don't know it's Wesley even though we could tell it's Wesley. Yeah. It, like they cut the rope, so because he's literally climbing up the damn rope, like yeah, he's like climbing up the business. rope, and everybody's on top, and that's when he says inconceivable, and Montoya says I don't think it means what you think it means, and so they cut the rope, and he tells Inigo, you stay here. And kill him. He's like, well, I'm going to do it with my left hand. What? Yeah, I'm going to do it with my left hand. If I fight it with my right hand, it'll be over too quickly. Like, whatever, whatever. We're in a hurry. But, ah. So they take off. And Inigo, as he states, he hates to wait. Yeah. So he wants Wesley to get out, who 
just so happens to feel them cutting the rope, so he grabs the Cliffs of Insanity and starts climbing it up, or climbing up the cliffs. And I think that's why he said the last inconceivable at that point. So he wants Wesley to hurry up. He's like, what if I throw you the rope? And Wesley's like, "Uh, no, how will I know it's still attached to whatever it's attached to? I can't trust you. If you want to kill me, just wait. He's like, no, I don't want to wait. He's like, I'll swear by anything you want me to swear by. And then I'll throw you the rope. And he'll be fine. He's like, no, I don't trust. I can't trust the word of a Spaniard. I've known too many. <laughs> and then that's when he stops and he thinks and he's, I swear on the soul of my father that you'll make it up here alive. And he's like, okay, throw me the rope. Yeah. See, like, I, I know there's some words missing in there. Yeah, there's but, stuff missing in there. Yeah, but it's like that whole thing with them talking it it was like i don't know why i was like like at the edge of my seat <laughs> with that whole scene i was like huh wait what's gonna happen next like even just that alone i was like hmm, yeah. like w- what's gonna happen next is he gonna do it it's like so yeah he when he once he goes up and like even at the moment where they're just sitting there, he's like, I'll, I'll give you a little moment to rest yeah because he and he goes allows wesley to rest and get his breath back after climbing the rope because he was like this it wouldn't be fair to just fight like this and so they discuss the things going on pretty much just in in Inigo's life because he asks him if he has six fingers on his right hand and tells him the story about his sword and his background Mm -hmm. and then it's oh by the way Inigo's sword is pretty badass looking. Oh, yeah. I was digging that sword. Like, well, I don't mention it a lot, but I, I am a fan of, like, the old Zoro. Like, because of my uncle, not gonna lie. Like, watching the old Zoro. I like the whole, like, I, I like the Count of Monte Cristo. Like, I like the fencing and all that stuff. Yeah. So, the Three Musketeers, enjoy it. I like those time period kind of films. So, when I saw that, like, I was all like, oh, snaps! Like, like appeal to my nature, you know. Like, yeah, I, I felt like a little kid all over again. Like I said, charm. This movie has a lot of charm. Yeah, but it's they, still. I don't know if you watched any of the making of stuff in there, but it's still one of the top five. I think it's number four. Mm-hmm. Or the longest fencing scene or sword fight scene in any movie. Oh, really? Yeah, it didn't get passed up until 93 or 94. Trying to think then. I'm trying to, well, I'm not trying to think, like, but I, I'm trying to wonder what's the first. I would it's, think it's like, uh, it's, in, it's in Rob Roy. Rob Roy? I've never seen that. Yeah, the Liam Neeson movie Rob Roy has a sword fight at the end. That's the longest. And then I think it's Duel of the Fates. Star Wars? Yeah. And then I think that's where Princess Bride comes in. Okay. Well, I'll be. Are you serious? The Count of Monte Cristo did not have a... Or the Mask of Zorro? Mask of Zorro had like the whole ending, like four fights. Been like the two or three fights going on at the same time. You got like Zorro fighting the dude that killed his brother. Uh, Anthony Hopkins fighting the dude that killed his wife. One of those sword fights had to be on there. I mean, both of them were yeah, like, took no, like I don't, 15 minutes of the movie. No, I don't remember. It was, I looked it up, like I said, mm-hmm. and it was Rob Roy was, or that scene from Rob Roy was number one. Phantom Menace was in there. Uh, I think at the end where Obi-Wan and Anakin fight. So not the duel of the fates one, but the other one. But I don't remember. Um, and then Princess Bride is still in there, yeah. I'm trying to look think. it up. 
people look it up. Yeah, now you got me wondering which one was longer, do episode one or episode three? That's some, those those were two some some two long ass duels. Yeah. Even those like when Anakin and Obi Wan fought, I felt half the shit was kind of pointless. Especially the scene where like they're just waving like sabers, like yes, like strike somebody, strike. Yeah, it wasn't quite as much of a dance scene as the throne room one in uh, the fan fiction movies. Hmm. Anyway, so they they wind up at the beginning of their duel. Inigo says, "You seem like a decent fellow. I hate to kill you, or I, I, I don't I don't want to kill you." Mm-hmm. And then Wesley responds with, "Well, you seem like a decent fellow. I don't want to die." Yeah, and they do their epic sword fight scene. Oh yeah, that what you just mentioned. I thought that was some pretty badass dialogue. Not gonna lie. So they do their scene, and uh, of course Wesley winds up winning after back and forth and a whole bunch of other stuff. And then uh, oh, and switching our hands too. Yeah, they both wind up. Oh, guess what? I'm not left-handed. Oh, guess what? I'm not left-handed either. And then, uh, then when he goes like, "Okay, kill me, but make it quick." And then Wesley's like, "I I could no sooner smash a stained glass window." And just knocks him out. Yeah. But see, here's like the thing. Though he's of course gonna face Andre the Giant next. And Andre the Giant is also a like a character of of morals. Yeah, he's uh basically like they describe him in real life, he's a giant with a giant heart. Yeah, like there's a scene where like Vicini's like, you stay behind, you kill him. I'm taking the princess. So he like he's like, what do I do? It's like hit him over the head with a rock and kill him. So <laughs> yeah, physics like my way is not very sportsmanlike. <laughs> yeah, it's I was like, I don't know why I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like my only reaction was oh. <laughs> so. I remember like when when Wesley's coming up and he throws the rock, but he's all like he he he's all like what do you say a thing's like something that almost hit me? He's all like, Well the next one's gonna kill you. And he's all like he's all like you drop your sword and we fight hand to hand. And then Wesley's like, Whoa, wouldn't it just be easier for you to kill me with the rock? And I believe like um Physics react. What, what did he tell him? He said something along like he told him like, "Well, did he tell him it's not sportsmanlike?" It's like, "Well, the next one can hit you. the next rock I throw can kill you." I remember like something like along those lines, like something led up to the point where like Physic told him like, "Well, the next rock I throw can just I can just kill you with the next rock I throw." Like yeah, he just told, like, like legit like like I pretty much he told you like told him like I threw you a warning shot like. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's. I didn't have to miss. So, it's like that's where I was like, man. It's kind of reminds me more of like those like Disney movies, you know, like where you have like your big badass tough character that ends up being like such a sweetheart. So, of course, Wesley wins that match too. Yeah, and when he gets to Vicini. Well, Andre kind of explained it. It's like saying he's used to fighting three or four guys at a time, not just one. It's it's a lot different, but he hasn't fought just one person in forever. So mm-hmm. Wesley's able to take advantage of that. So, yeah, when he gets to Vicini, it's it's a battle of wits. Yeah. <laughs> Which is <laughs> <laughs> <It's> ridiculous. <laughs> it's... It is the biggest, most contradictional fight, I want to say, if, if that's the right word to use. Like, inconceivable is not the right word I want to just say. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's just... They are testing, you know, each other's mind prowess, but not really. 
No, because Vizzini's doing all the damn thinking, to be honest. Yeah, he's overthinking everything. By a lot. It's like pretty much the uh, classic story of there's poison in one cup. Which one well, has the poison in it? You know, yeah, like he has two glasses of wine and then a, a poison that he pours into the wine and he asks Vizzini which cup has the wine uh, has the poison in it. So you give pretty much like I give Vincent a cup, he gives me a cup. And then I have to let Vincent think which one has it. Now, Vicini was like, how did he say it? I was like, so it, th- this is like an example, pretty much. It's all like, okay, so you seem like a trusting fella. So with your trust, you would make me think that you didn't give me the poison. Oh, yeah. You're trying to break down and quote. He's okay. So he, the, the poison that Wesley puts in there is iocane powder. And so Vizzini's like, okay, iocane powder comes from Australia. And Australia, as we know, is nothing but a bunch of convicts. So I can't trust you. So I can't choose the cup you put in front of me because that's the one that has the poison. And then Wesley, okay, that's good. Oh, yeah, but I can't choose the cup in front of you because, or, you know, if, if you're fearful of death, then you would take the poison and put it in the cup farthest away from you. So I can't pick the one in front of me. And he keeps giving examples like that of why he can't pick the cup in front of him. Contradicts and why he, he can't pick the cup in front of Wesley. He's well, kind of like giving an example of why it would be in each cup. So he's trying to sound smart and trying to play it up, but it's it's just ridiculousness. Because at the very end, he's like, oh, what's that over there? And he switches the cups. And to me, was the funniest. I was all like, what? Really? He thought it was funny, too. He couldn't do anything but snicker. Yeah, it was like, hey, 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 hey. It just dies. And then when the prince, when Buttercup asked him, like, so how how did you, like, was it, uh, how did you... How did you trick him into drinking the poison? They're like, oh, both cups had the poison. I'm just immune. To, like, I, I've grown a tolerance, like, an immunity to it. Yeah. I was all like, damn. That's tight, though. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's a pretty smart way to do it. Yeah. So you find out, you know, they start talking and. Uh, yeah, they go away and start talking and. He's he's finally talking to her, and she's like, "You're the Dread Pirate Roberts." He's like, "Uh, "Yep, you caught me." And she's like, "You fucking killed my Wesley because you don't leave anybody alive." Yes, and this, that, and that. And as she knocks him over, like she's like, "Go away!" And he's like, "As you wish." He's rolling (laughs) down the hill. Oh, it's Wesley. When she fucking started, she threw herself to and started rolling down the hill. And this scene went on forever, by the way. It did not go on forever. They rolled for like five seconds. No, it did not, bro. Bro, like, they were like, they went like, they showed him, they showed her. They showed him, they showed her. And then, like, they showed the field, and then he's rolling. And then she's rolling still right behind him. I'm like, come on, man. It's a steep hill. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking hella steep. But yeah, dude, but it, it you worked. didn't snicker at it. You didn't no. snicker at them rolling down the dang hill. I didn't snicker. <laughs> I laughed my ass off. That's what I did. That's what I'm laughing right now. It, like, see, this is not the type of thing I was expecting of this film. But here we are, you know, it's it's fucking hilarious. Uh, yeah. But apparently, uh, like, you know, he tells her the story. Uh, apparently, uh, the old pirate guy doesn't even exist. It's just a myth. But someone takes over. After he's, you know, passed away or, you know, something like that. It, the way he put it was he did tell the Dread Pirate Roberts about his quest for true love or you know and 
what happens is the Dread Pirate Roberts picks somebody and passes the name on to the next person because nobody's gonna remember or build a reputation from the Dread Pirate Wesley or the Dread Pirate Billy or whatever. Dread Pirate Roberts has a a reputation at that time and a stature. It's kind of like so, the Phantom. Yeah. Yeah, like the Phantom brings up the next Phantom. Mm-hmm. It's always the guy's kid. So, man, I feel like at one point we should have, one of us should have said something right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I honestly, real talk, those right there were my like favorite scenes to the movie. I feel like everything after that, leading up to the uh, Inigo fight, was kind of eh. like, of course, the the boy, the the Prince Charming over there catches up to them. So after that, it's like I feel. I mean, you need it for the story. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know. I started losing a little track of the film at this point. And that's why I told you I ended up like kind of like knocking out for a bit. Yeah, well, I mean, anything you want to throw in there about that? (laughs) It slows down a little bit, but it's all exposition setting up for the payoff at the end. I mean, oh, that Humperdinck is chasing them, which we left out. They they bring in scenes of Humperdinck chasing them, so you know he's on the on their tracks, whatever. And uh, they, once he catches them, he can't just let Wesley go because he's going to come back for her again. And he can't just outright kill him because Christopher Guest's character likes to torture people. And if he tortures him, maybe, you know, have leverage against Buttercup if she decides not to marry him after all. Mm. Which is what they try to do. Anyway, so that's it's just set up for until the wedding day. This is what happens, and then when the wedding day comes, that's where everything pays off. Where Inigo finally gets to say his famous, <sighs> which is what, which is the notes you wrote down. By the way, apparently, yeah, I, that's what y'all missed earlier. I wrote down my notes for this movie since I've seen it so many times and I know it all over the place my uh, my only notes are in the film where hello my name is Inigo Matoya you killed my father prepare to die <laughs> yep. I mean it's a hell of a line the cast in the uh, in what it was based on those are my notes yep so me and I mean, Vincent and took it out the park and wrote the same damn notes. But that's what I was trying to tell you, man. It's like you got all the other stuff in it, but because you know more about it than I do. Yeah, and I've never focused entirely just on the romance stuff of it. Mm-hmm. This, I mean, my favorite character in the movie is Inigo Matoya. I can see why, and that's. That's one of my Manly Tears lines is when he finally gets Rugen and he says it and he's telling him, you know, they're fighting and he's got Rugen down and he's like, promise me money. He's like, yes, you can have all the money you want. He's like, promise me fame, power, wealth. He's like, yeah, you have as much power as I have and more. Anything you want. And then he just says, I want my father back, you son of a bitch. Oh, that was that was that was a deep line right there. That was yeah. It's like the way it was shot, and like it's not one of those things where like I, leading up to it, it felt like comedy gold. But when you get, it's like this movie knew how to turn on and off its comedy to the drama part. Yeah, kind of like Guardians, the first Guardians film. Yeah, that's true. Very true. But it's like it it was in the. 
stuff because I never really watched a whole lot of the behind the scenes stuff because I was like, okay, okay, I don't want to, you know, delve too far into it. But when they were shooting that scene, uh, Manny Patinkin stabbed Christopher Guest in the leg on accident, but he was like really going for it. And Manny Patinkin later explained that he was going over the top with his with his mental state with Inigo Montoya because his father had passed away and he still hadn't come to terms with that really because his father died of cancer. And so he was connecting on such a level with Inigo Montoya's story that he was mentally thinking of Christopher Guest as cancer. And he was going to beat and kill the cancer that killed his father. Damn, bro. I mean, that adds a little weight to the line. Hell yeah. Even more. Shit. That, hold on. Give me a drink some different. Yeah. Dude, that. This podcast is over. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, but there's that, and then Wesley finally makes it to Buttercup, and something happened that we didn't explain, but watch the movie and you'll figure it out, and so he's, Humperdinck goes into the room with him and Buttercup, and they're gonna, they're gonna fight, and he's like, okay, yeah, we'll fight to the death, and Wesley's like, no, 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 we're gonna fight to the pain. And he he describes exactly what he's gonna do to him. He's gonna cut off his nose and cut off his feet and his hands and scar up his face. He say he's gonna like cut off his eyes too, but he's gonna leave the ears. Yeah, he's gonna leave his ears perfect, so that every time anybody reacts with disgust or contempt, just seeing him, he'll be able to hear it. Perfectly. And he'll have to live with that pain for the rest of his life. I mean, it sounds pretty legit. Yeah. The the uh the execution on those lines were actually pretty legit. But what ends up happening? Like it all went to shit. (laughs) Well, I mean, he wasn't really gonna do that. This was all just time for him to yeah, but Wesley had like no energy at this point. Like, like yeah, he, he had got, no energy, no strength, no anything. Like, this was he, just they took him a, he took a drug him. or something, right? Yeah, he took that drug from Miracle Max, and they were just he was just stalling for time to be able to summon up the strength to even stand up and lift his sword. Oh well, uh, let's just go to the honest part. It's, it's the end of the movie. Yeah. Everybody uh, rides off into the sunset. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> when I saw the uh, Andre the Giant, uh, not Andre the Giant, but <laughs> it wasn't Andre because he yeah. was 500 pounds and a horse could carry him. I'm like, I highly doubt that horse was uh, carrying him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I was like, when they ride off to the sunset, and that's like the scene where I was like mentioning way earlier in this episode about. Oh, the grandpa's like, oh, I don't have to read this part of the story. You know, it's the kissy part. And, like, the grandsons are like, oh, I, I, I don't mind, like, I don't mind it now. Like, you know, yeah. it's... I don't mind so much. You can you can read. So, kid asked the grandpa to come back, read the story. All in all, I like the simplicity of the movie. I like that. I I really enjoy that. Uh, there's a lot of the dialogue I enjoy. You just fucking took it home with that damn cancer conversation we just had, by the way. Like goddamn, like like I don't even want to return the copy. You let me borrow it anymore. <laughs> and I feel, I feel like I have to watch it again. You keep it for a bit. All right. We'll probably get a little get a little too tipsy in the middle of the night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's on for me uh, as a first time watcher. Um, like I said, I, I I like the simplicity of the film. It wasn't trying to go too over the top. It 
some scenes may seem over the top with, with the comedy, but it's not like it was a forced thing. And like it felt like some scenes were written as in, well, if someone finds it funny, they find it funny. If they don't find it funny, then well, fuck it. Yeah. Let's just move on to the next scene. You know? Yeah. Like, cause there's movies, there's a lot of movies where like like I would say right now, Deadpool 2 is a big like like I wanna say I wanna accuse this movie of this. Like they have a funny scene in the movie and I'm like <laughs> that was good. But like the movie itself, I know it breaks the fourth wall, but like they're like, huh? Huh? It's funny, right? It's like, yeah, can we just move on to the next fucking scene already? Like I don't have to sit here and you try to like push this scene on me. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, nah, it's that's one of the things I have a problem with on the whole Deadpool thing. Like, I, I have still haven't watched the second film. It's not that I don't want to. I just haven't gotten around to it. But, what? I mean, I watched the first one. But, uh, like, I read a lot of the comics, and there are even parts in the comics where you're like, hey, 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 this is a joke. Like, dude, you know, just, just let it go. Just either it'll be, it'll hit or it won't. I mean. Yeah, but see, the first one, it feels more natural, funny. The second one felt forced funny. Yeah. And this is like The Princess Bride is a movie that does not feel like. Look, we made this movie and we added comedy. Laugh at our comedy. It doesn't feel like that. Yeah, they're not trying to force anything down somebody's throat. So it literally was like they, they threw in the funny scenes and it's like, oh, hey, you know what? It's literally like you found it funny. Yes or no. Let's move on to the next scene. End scene. Let's move on. And I enjoyed that. I enjoyed like a lot of the chemistry between the characters. Um, I was mad that Vicini died. <laughs> I wish you would have given him an antidote or something, but it is what it is. And I trio down to a duo. I guess a trio at the end, regardless. Yeah. But even though this movie is more sponsored as a romantic film. I want to say the last thing I even thought on this film was the romance. Like, yeah. It's it it is but I didn't see a romance film. And yeah, I think that was that was the best part. That's the best part of the film. And it, it's it's kind of that way even though they say true love how many times in this film? Mm-hmm. They say it a lot, but that's like you were saying earlier. That's kind of the a lot of the charm of this film is it's not just one thing. It's it's not one aspect that you're going to focus on for everybody. You know, like I was saying, Inigo Matoya. I, that's that's who I like. That's who I focus on. Somebody mm-hmm. might you know go in there and say, hey, I want to be Wesley. So, because I want to go rescue the game, the girl or whatever, and dance on distress. Yeah, somebody might say, "Well, I, I, I'm Buttercup," and some jackass out there is like, "Well, I'm Humberdinka. I want to rule the world with an iron fist and cause wars and kill my wife's or whatever." <laughs> you know, there's there's somebody different to associate with in this film that can really hit home with you. It's not like throwaway characters or yeah that guy's cool but let's focus on the, the main three or four or whatever it is you know mm-hmm. like let's bring up guardians again you know james gunn's brother in the film is cool but he's you know this right hand man to yondu mm-hmm. so he's just there and nobody's well that i can tell nobody's really just like all up in his business yeah or nobody's gonna come out there and like Jimmy Urin was my favorite character in the film. Why do you have to die? Well, that was the second one though. But you know what I mean? There's there's just like so much depth to this film that it it doesn't really seem like there should be, or that there would be. Mm-hmm. And it comes out very 
clearly. I mean, I think there's so much to like about him. I don't know, so, whatever. Yeah, we reached the point of our podcast where would we recommend or will we not recommend people to watch this film? I'd go first since I'm the first my first time I'm a first time watcher. I would actually say this is one of the films I mentioned it already. It's one of the films that I feel people should at least watch once in their lifetime. If not many times or like if you had to watch it once, I'd say go for it. And yes, it's it's charming. I and that's literally like the word that always comes to mind watching this film. It's it's charming and it's always it hits on all the um, many different levels. It's an enjoyable film. So, and maybe Vincent's right. Like I was, especially what we talked about earlier. I'm gonna keep bringing that up. You know, it's it's it 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 hits home, I guess. Yeah. And the performances are amazing. Uh, dialogue is something that should be appreciated a lot. So yeah, I'd say uh, it, it is a, a a recommendation. What about you? Obviously, it is a recommendation for me as well. Yeah, hell yeah. Because Vincent damn well made sure it's like, whoa, if you're not gonna watch it for no reason, this podcast is the reason why you're gonna fucking watch it. Yep. So Vincent wouldn't let up, and uh, thank you. Not gonna lie. Yep. You're welcome. All right, Vincent, where can people find you at? Uh, you can look for me on the socials at Elsid the first, E L C I D the first. All right. And you can find me at XXLeoXR2D2XX on the Instagram. Still trying to do some shit on Twitter. <laughs> Even though I don't really post anything on Twitter. You know, I should probably hook both my accounts up or something. Something. Yeah. But for the entire podcast, Vincent, once again, take it away, buddy. Yeah, look for us on Instagram. Nimrod Generation Podcast, all one word. He's going to say it happily one day, I swear to God. He's got to say it happily one day. That was happy. That was happy? Oh, damn. Well, oh, you still got to die. You ate the damn Danish.